Welcome to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. Here, we're bridging the gap to find a connection in a society that can sometimes feel isolating. We've all experienced our share of successes and the challenges that we faced along the way, and we're here to talk about all of them, along with sharing some tidbits on mental health. So grab your favorite drink, pop a squat, and you might just hear something that sounds familiar. Hey friends, welcome back to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. He is a army veteran, he's a scholar, and without him, I probably wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that I do. He is a huge supporter of mine and a real trooper as he deals with me every single day. Uh, funny story, we just spent 30 minutes trying to figure this out. So that just gives you a little bit of an inside view of what he has to deal with. Um, he is a great partner and I am so excited for you to get to know him like I do. So without further ado, my husband, Brock Lavely. Well, thank you for having me. Glad we got it all sorted out on this test run. Yeah, so um, I met you in 2018, so like four years ago. We've known each other for for four years already. Wow, time flies. But obviously before you met me, there was a whole life lived. So why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about yourself? I'll just start with college then. So I, uh, I started at the University of Tennessee in 2011 with an ROTC scholarship and studied history, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. So I was hoping for active duty with the military and that ended up happening about my senior year in 2015. Uh, So I graduated in 2015 and commissioned as a quartermaster officer. I did some training in Virginia and then went to uh, Colorado Springs in December of 2015. Uh, And then I spent a total of four years there, but that's uh, that's where I met you. After uh, some training out in California, I was heading back and matched with you while I was on a bus ride, heading back into Colorado Springs. Yes, you said that we matched. So I wasn't planning on telling everybody this, but probably a lot of people already know. We met on a dating app called Bumble. So let's just get that out there and out of the way. Um, so you were... On your way back from a training. Yes, I was in uh, California for about a month, and I don't sleep too well on like planes or buses, so we were on a 24-hour bus ride, and I was just bored because it was probably 4 or 5 in the morning, and we left at like 6 in the morning the day before, so I was just trying to pass the time, I guess, and I I swiped while we were passing through Pueblo. (laughs) I have to laugh because this story is just... It does not sound romantic at all. And he's just like, I was just trying to pass the time and swipe in on people. And then I just saw you. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it didn't get romantic until after we met. Yeah, I was just, just bored. I got unpacked some things on uh, Fort Carson. And then I got my got a ride back to my house, went to sleep, woke up probably at like three or four in the afternoon and had a match. And yeah. so I talked to you. And your life was changed forever. Yeah, I think that was a... Th- Thursday when I woke up and we started talking and we had our first date that Sunday. Yeah. 
And then we started dating a little bit after that. But the entire time that we were dating, like from the start, we knew that you were going to move somewhere else within six months. Uh, But (laughs) I knew I was leaving around April because I had orders to go to uh, Virginia for the captain's course because I was going to be promoted to captain. But it was going to be about six months of training there and then on to a new duty station. So not going back to Colorado. Uh, so, yeah, I knew I had basically two moves in the next year, which were both, both going to be away from Colorado. So Yes. And for me, I mean, we know how I am now, but at the, in the beginning, you didn't fully know how I was. But I did have some reservations about getting into a relationship when I knew that you were moving. And we had many discussions about that, but you were very adamant. Yeah. Yeah. I was very confident from the start. I mean, I guess that's probably why we were, why I was comfortable meeting family members and inviting you to my family that early. I think I kind of knew it was different and special. Uh, I think you were not very convinced. No. I think it took a very long time for me to be convinced. But I mean, I think I told you I was going to leave around October. Uh, And I think I told you that we would be engaged before I left, which... And I was like, no. Yeah, since we met in September, uh, yeah, it was going to be right around a year of knowing each other. But yeah, I don't think you were convinced we were going to get engaged that quickly. But then we did. So we've had quite a journey together. But this whole episode is kind of prior to me coming into your life. Obviously, you were in the army. But before, like growing up and stuff, what was that like for you? Growing up, I think uh, that's probably what led to the army as we moved around a lot. Um, so I was just kind of used to that. And maybe that's probably why I didn't think it was so like weird to have long distance or be moving around. Because we moved, let's see, my mom met my stepdad when I was three. We moved to Salt Lake City when I was three, uh, then to Connecticut about a year later, and then to Ohio. A year later, we spent uh, three years in Ohio, moved to um, Richmond, Virginia. We spent a year there, and that's when my parents separated. So then we went back to Nashville, where I was born, and got to Nashville uh, middle of fourth grade. So from three years old to fourth grade, which how old is that? I'm bad at that kind of math. Mm, Like nine or ten? Yeah, so it was about seven years. So we we moved all those places in like seven or eight years. So got to Nashville and then uh, stayed there. So we just we kind of moved around a lot, and then it was just uh, just kind of my mom and my brother and I. So like growing up, how did moving around kind of shape you? Uh, I think it kind of made me both more resilient in being able to adapt to change, but also a little bit more. Not withdrawn, but probably I could find a lot of like comfort in isolation, I guess, because it was very hard to like not make friends, but it was hard to like have a consistent group since you're moving around so often. So you kind of learn ways to entertain yourself with books or TV shows or movies or something. And so I got really good at that. And that's kind of something that's held on even nowadays. I'm, I'm, probably to a detriment at times it's like more my comfort to just like go and isolate because that's where i feel safest i guess at times yeah and you talk a lot to me in general about 
like your comfort shows or comfort books and how you will like reread a book because it just is comforting to you. Yeah, I've lost track of Harry Potter. I think it's around the full series is double digits now because uh, I read them every couple of years. Narnia's every couple of years, but then I don't even know The Office, like watching that TV show since it hit Netflix back in the day. Uh, yeah, and you can quote literally every single line of The Office. Yeah, I've got like four or five shows that just kind of run, which is, I don't know. It's hard to break those habits once you start doing them. So I, I, I never really thought about it until we started talking about it. I'm like, that's probably more of a kind of a comfort and an anxiety relief than it is like a normal habit that other people do. <laughs> yes, you are a strange fellow. What? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but okay, so then when you were in high school, because you stayed in Nashville, for several years before you went to college. What would you say high school was like for you? Starting fifth grade, we switched into the private uh, Christian school that was kind of local. And that's because my mom wanted me and my brother to stay together since I was zoned for the uh, the magnet school and he was not. So she wanted us to stay together and have like some sort of support uh, since we'd, be, we'd both been moving around so much. So figured we'd uh, stay together and graduate together. We were, we were too grades apart but three years apart so stay in the same middle school high school and uh and then both just kind of move on from there so i really enjoyed high school uh i had i had some good friends still keep in contact with a few of them especially my the guy that was my best man uh we try to see him and his wife uh occasionally but he joined the army as well so we had that going for us when we met in high school and uh, just kind of kept in touch and kept in each other's lives. So it's been uh, been good, but there's nothing bad about high school. I know some people have miserable experiences, but I don't know if it was the private school portion of it, but it was, uh, it was a great time. We got into, uh, you know, wrestling. I did that for a year, played soccer on the soccer team, played for the golf team for four years and did show choir and concert choir and theater. Wow. It was a very busy time. Yeah, so that's so interesting because I don't think a lot of people, if they met you, would be like, oh, yeah, you were in show choir and also then later went into the army. I think it was a, it was kind of a mixture of being around friends and trying to stay busy. Like, we were always really busy. My brother was always playing playing sports. He played football and baseball through high school. I dropped those for golf, but then kind of got back into other sports, so... Basically, all year round, it was uh, kind of late um, late night activities with school and friends, which was great. I uh, I definitely had to pick up soccer, though, because I was looking to do Army ROTC in college, and I gained some weight from uh, show choir and theater because we'd have really late night rehearsals, so we'd go and grab Jack in the Box, and that was before I knew much about nutrition. I think I put on like 30 pounds. And then I played soccer for a season and like dropped it all off. And then my first, my summer at VMI, I think I lost like 20 pounds. After high school is when you went to VMI and you started your army career, yeah. sort of. Um, but also, would you say that this is when you started having anxiety? I think it would be best described as like anxiety, which I didn't learn because that was 2011, so I didn't really learn about it until like 2018. Because yeah, that was the first time 
I went to uh, to see somebody about it. So yeah, it was uh, seven years before I kind of realized what was happening. But yeah, really bad anxiety. Um, and I thought I just chalked it up to leaving home for the first time and just being in a new environment, which looking back now doesn't really seem likely because I'm I was so used to moving around. And I never had problems like after uh graduation when i would move around but yeah it was just something about the military environment and the people and uh and the workload like school was fine i did really well i helped people with uh, the classes i was taking i would like tutor people and like the schoolwork wasn't bothering me but it was just something about uh i don't even know how to explain it but uh just basically having panic attacks which i didn't realize for a long time so like just kind of feeling like uh feeling like things were off, feeling like you're almost like in a dream sometimes, like things don't feel really real. And I think I was just not, I don't know if it was school or being away from home, like I said, or just maybe I was just in the wrong place. And I knew that and I needed something to to push me to the right place I needed to be, which ended up being Tennessee. So that worked out, but. uh, Right, and nobody, well, back then, nobody really talked about like what, it was like to go through things as far as mental health goes. I feel like nowadays it's a lot more common or people are more apt to talk about it. But then also because like you're in the army, which yeah. is highly masculine, and then you're also a man. So it's like, why would you talk about it? Yeah, I think the military, especially there was like a stigma on um, asking for help on anything. Like if you're struggling, struggling physically, like they don't really want you to bring that up because you're supposed to have like mastered that side of things when you got there or and that was like another thing too was like i was working on the physical side i didn't know i had to take a pt test um when i got there and i was not ready for it so i had like a couple weeks to train for it and i had a roommate that was just not a not very nice at the time and he would like say to me how annoyed he was because he was like a legacy so his parents had gone or his dad had gone to vmi and he would get annoyed because I they knew I had a full scholarship and he didn't and he would like make comments about how like like I didn't deserve to be there even though like academically I was a lot better suited than a lot of other people but uh, so yeah they they looked out on the physical side but definitely the mental side if you're like struggling with something that like that's definitely something that you're not supposed to be bringing up yeah. as much. So then when you switch to Tennessee. Um, was that different, like being an ROTC there versus being at like a military academy? Yeah, I think it helped because uh, the very first day we had a barbecue uh, with the ROTC people and I was a little hesitant, like, I don't know what my mindset was because I did end up learning like military to the military. So the things that kind of bothered me about VMI were pretty much the things that were going to bother me about the army for the rest of my career. But uh I met a friend at the barbecue who was a junior at the time, and he lived at the Baptist ministry uh, on campus. So he invited me there later. So I ran into him, I think that night, uh, heading to dinner with another friend from high school that was going to Tennessee. And uh, he invited us in, and we had uh, dinner with them. And I basically didn't leave the Baptist ministry for four years. So I ended up living there my junior and senior year as well. So I think having... That separation, which also didn't bode well, though, because having the separation really helped uh, from the military to this normal life side and having that uh, community of 
of friends and uh, that support was really great. <laughs> but then whenever I graduated, it was like back to the full military side. And not that I wasn't fully prepared for it, but it was definitely kind of a shock. And I think that kind of led to some difficult transitions um, getting back into the full military side of it. Yes, because in ROTC, you were like part military, but part civilian. And so you had like a good balance. And then when you went into active duty and you moved to Colorado, what was that like? Yeah, I uh, I explained it to some of my soldiers one day because they asked about it. And I was like, basically, it was like I would I would do morning workouts and that was it and then like once a week we'd do like military training but outside of that I was just like a normal person I was just doing RTC on the side and there's like no easy transition it's like you graduate you get commissioned and you're in the army fully and they expect you to be fully in the army in your mindset and it's you don't really know anything uh Outside of like the normal stuff that you learn, that which is all like based off 1970s Vietnam era uh, infantry tactics. So actually like day-to-day work is very different. And also the expectations were crazy. Like I remember uh, my very first day meeting when I got to Colorado, I met my unit and there was a soldier that was being reprimanded who was in my unit. He was only like 18. But he had like had the police called on him for domestic abuse, which I think she dropped the charges or something. I don't know, but it was just not a great day. And they had me uh, have to write up the report. I'm like, I was 21 having to deal with a 18 year old newly married person while the first sergeant who was in her late 30s and the company commanders in her mid 30s were like trying to guide me through it. That was my first day. And then like two weeks later, we had another incident where um, I think, oh, he was like probably 34, 35. He was an NCO and he had just lost a child, a newborn, and he was in the hospital because he uh, tried to commit suicide. And so they asked, didn't ask, but they uh, had me and my platoon sergeant go up there because he was in our platoon. I'd never met him because I'd only been there for two weeks and he'd been on leave due to uh, his child sickness and then death. And I was, like I said, I was like 21 and trying to, you know, I, I kind of struggle even sometimes with you not empathizing, but like knowing what to say or being there. And like, we're probably a lot closer than I was with this random person. So I'm trying to be comforting, but I didn't know what to say. And so there's just like, outside of like the normal military side, there's so much like expectation and, um, kind of responsibility that goes with it that they don't really prepare you for. Um, and maybe they do. Maybe they try to tell you, but until you're there, you don't really know right. uh, how it's actually going to be. Hey, it's me, Alex. I'm just popping in to give you a break from the current episode to remind you that your story matters. If you have something you'd like to share on the podcast, feel free to check the show notes for a link and don't be afraid to reach out. Also, if you are enjoying the show and want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow us on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. That's S-O-U-N-D-S-F-A-M. I-L-I-A-R dot P-O-D. Now back to the show. 
I mean, I think you're a great leader. Like I remember when I went to my new job, my first job ever out of college and what a shock that was and kind of having to learn the ropes of everything. But I wasn't, you know, the leader of like a whole platoon or anything. So I can imagine how difficult that is to like step into a leadership role when you are new. Yeah. And not to be reductive to to like the other people, but it was like almost like having, I think my first platoon was over 80 people. So like having 80 children, uh, which obviously I had like platoon sergeants and other NCOs that were helping and had a lot more experience. So it wasn't like I was totally on my own, but it was basically that kind of responsibility shift of like you are responsible for their well-being, what's going on. If one of them gets arrested, which happened occasionally, then I was getting calls to show up with my platoon sergeant to bail them out at mm-hmm. one in the morning. It's like being a parent. Uh, well, you should be ready uh, for that. <laughs> just, it was just a lot. I don't think I was quite ready for it at the time. I think, uh, like I said, I went to undergrad as a history major, and I think my thought, my mindset was just like, you know, army sounds great. I have, I love history. I love like World War II history. I'm like, be a part of something. I've been wanting to do it since uh, midway through high school. Me and Sebastian had talked about it a bunch uh, back in high school. But then you actually get to the reality and it's, um, yeah, it's just a lot, a lot more difficult than you think it will be. I always hear about the military that there's obviously so much camaraderie in the institution. So what was it like for you making connections, having friends? Because on one hand, the army is your day-to-day life. And then when you have friends who are also in the army, then it's like, you don't, you don't get out of the army. Like there's no real break like you had in college. Yeah. I made some really good friends. Um, but yeah, they were all within my battalion. Uh, they were all other lieutenants because like you can't really have that relationship with soldiers or NCOs just because there's supposed to be a separation. I know it does happen at times, but uh, a lot of us try to stay away from that, have that like professional separation. So really your only option, unless you're going to go out into the city and try to meet friends randomly, um are just other lieutenants because they're the only ones that are around your age. Most of the captains are married and have kids. Uh, So basically you're going to be stuck in that whatever pool that is of people that happen to be in your battalion, which uh, I got lucky. I had really good friends uh, from that group for the most part. Uh, We've all, but that's kind of the downside. I feel I'm not sure how other people deal with it, but since you move so much, it's kind of like a, a friendship on a timeline it feels like like once everybody starts going other places uh there's a lot less intention to keep in each other's lives uh, which I, i'm sure other people do I, I know i I know of some people that have kept good close friends from their units but uh that whole group just it kind of felt like it was uh a, a time of convenience for all of us um so which is difficult because like yeah like once they start moving you kind of lose uh those connections you made and it kind of feels like you just washed away three or four years of your life and didn't really have any progression on it. So I think that's when I started really feeling like the need to leave the army and kind of set something permanent. Cause uh, like I was saying it, you can go outside of the army network, but then especially if you've been in it for so long, like there's no commonality between like myself and maybe another 22 year old is like, just working somewhere 
not to be disparaging, but like just working some job somewhere else that they don't have the same common language, I guess. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would be difficult to make friends outside of the army. And also to your point, you you were saying that it was it kind of seemed like it was a friendship on a timeline and and you know, you have 3 or 4 years together, but those people start moving and then it's you kind of lose track of one another. But when you were growing up, also and you were moving around a lot, I'd imagine it was kind of the same because you would make friends and then you would move. Yeah, I think that's probably what, like I said, pushed my decision to want to leave the army um, or at least leave that situation because I think at a certain point, especially after we met and uh, I just wanted a little bit more stability. I think I just wanted to like find a place where I could settle down and have have a career and have like a permanent station, which is kind of what we've talked about too, like I think neither of us really, like, we want to find where we want to be, but I don't think either of us want to be, like, moving around a whole bunch after we start settled, settling in, because uh, I think I think after that many years of just kind of not having, like, a permanent place, I think I'm just looking for a, a permanent place to be. You made a, a great segue into your life as it is now, because you are no longer in the military. But also, like, I wanted to know about what that transition was like for you. Um, obviously, you know, you had set on going into the military, like in your teenage years, and then you spent six years in the army. So you made the decision to leave. And what was that like? Well, it it was kind of like a slow progression. So uh, I'd really enjoyed some of the work I'd done in the Army that was outside of my normal day-to-day job of logistics. Uh, so I really enjoyed working with uh, the attorneys in JAG. So when we would do like investigations and uh, I don't know, we had like random vehicle incidents or uh, lost property, I'd have to go to JAG and we'd do a full uh, report on it. And Can you explain what JAG is? Uh, it's the judge advocate. So it's just uh, the... Um, army lawyers, basically, but they—I don't know—they—they they do a lot of things. So they do criminal proceedings, but uh, mostly they just advise, uh, like battalion level staff, uh, on legal matters. So, like, whenever we would have like uh, we had like change of command, whenever like a one company commander comes in and the old one's leaving, we would have to do full inventories, and if there was broken equipment or missing equipment because you have these uh, property books that are like $30 million worth of equipment on there. You might have $250,000 worth of missing or broken equipment in there that needs to be replaced. So you'd have to do a full kind of investigation on what the cause was, like who's at fault, who needs to be charged, whether it can just be written off or not, or whether they should hold the outgoing commander accountable. So that's all run through uh, the attorneys at JAG. So I... Did a lot of those with my final job when I was up in New York. And I was thinking, even before that, that I kind of wanted to do something on law. So like I said, leaving the Army was kind of like a uh, test in the water. So initially I wanted to do JAG. So I wanted to do uh, go to law school and then come back in the Army. And then the more we kind of thought about it and talked about it and other circumstances, we realized, you know, that whole going to law school is probably a good idea, but uh, staying in the Army is probably not the best uh best option for us so uh, we just scrapped that whole part of it and we just figured we'd uh i'd go to law school and then be done with the army so yeah it was a uh, that probably is a 
That probably took about a year to make that decision. And was that a hard decision? Because I know some people, they just stay in the military after a certain point. Like after so many years, it's like you might as well stay in and, and do a full career and retire. Um, because it is it is a stable income. But there's also instability as far as your lifestyle and what you can and can't do. Yeah, I think that's kind of what played a big part into it too was uh, beyond just like the personal reasons of wanting to get some stability, looking at the reality of it. So retirement's at 20 years. So I was going to be at six years. Three years of law school would have counted. So I'd be at nine. But then you owe an extra six years of service after law school. So I would have to be at 15 years before I could get out. But then at that point, it's like, well, you might as well finish the last five to get to the retirement age. Um, so basically, you're, I was committing to 14 more years uh, if I decided to do that route, and I just did not want to do that. So uh, I think that made the decision a little bit easier to to go ahead and move on from it. But yeah, I definitely think you get a little scared of what's on the other side. You get you get scared of not having that like guaranteed paycheck, guaranteed health insurance, um, guaranteed stability outside of having to move around all the time so it's like you're either you're you're trading off you get a little bit more agency of choosing where you're going to live but less promise of having that like food money and entertainment money and house money and now we are we're both students currently and so it was a little bit scary to move from be like having this stable income to we're both students but luckily you know things have worked out in our favor and so can you talk a little bit about what your faith has meant to you during the transition because there were a lot of times where we we're like is this gonna work out like should we have done this so uh there's been quite a few times i still remember i think i talk about it at times to remind you about our faith uh is like i think i was we were in a hotel room driving down to alabama and I just couldn't sleep because I was uh, so nervous about getting here. Not really about school, but just like finances and everything, how it was all going to work out. And I remember just praying about it. And we prayed about it quite a bit. And just trusting like we were where we were supposed to be. I uh, obviously, I felt like my time in the army had come to an end. And I just needed to trust that we were being put on the right path because uh, we and we'd also prayed about it a lot, about like what the, that decision was going to look like. And then we got here, and then we found out like we were a lot more covered than we thought we were going to be with some scholarships. And then you ended up getting a really good job pretty quickly that was able to support us through that first uh, transition to kind of take that stress off. And so it was pretty much all answered within like six weeks, and which was a stressful six weeks. Mm-hmm. But like looking back now, it's like, well, yeah my answers were coming so quickly and I, that's kind of what i've tried to remind you about it as well it's like uh that fate like we've been covered pretty much through every step of the way and even though it's stressful in those like intervening moments uh it all ends up working out and uh even if it's not as perfect as that situation was then it, like we're still heading to where we need to be so better to not struggle but better to have to fight through it to get to where we want to be than be comfortable in a place we're not supposed to be. So Very true. Very well said. Um, so we talked a lot about you being in the military and obviously it wasn't a good fit for you, but 
what would you say are some good takeaways that you had? Like what has helped you transition and what is going to help you in your new career that you might have learned in the army? Well, as difficult as it was, I definitely think uh, leadership, I definitely bring that to the table now for the future career is just oh, once you had 80 year soul soldier soldiers under you, uh, day-to-day tasks and day-to-day teamwork is not quite as difficult and you definitely grow up a lot quicker i think so you know we're 29 now but i think uh i think i've had a lot more kind of leadership experience than even other people around that age and so getting to bring that in and that maturity into uh into my next career will probably bode well and also uh I think work ethic was definitely something like, I think that that bugs you at times because that's kind of my uh, go-to answer is just to like, you know, knuckle knuckle under and get it done. And you don't always appreciate or think of it that way. But, you know, like, because right now I'm actually doing a dual degree. So I'm doing my JD, but I'm also getting, uh, it's like a legal master's. So it's an LLM in tax. So I'm getting a double degree with it while at law school which uh which i mean some people do but it's definitely a lot more work but you know it's just prioritizing time and uh and allocating effort that's something you learn in the army too it's like work uh, work smart not hard so don't kill yourself on every task but make sure you have enough in the tank to get everything done and uh allocate your resources properly what would you say to somebody who is going through something that you you've gone through like maybe they are in a job but it's not fitting for them so they want to change but maybe they've been in this career for like 20 years or more what would you say my advice i guess would definitely like if you're struggling one like seek help it's like i said that's what i did uh 2018 when like Anxiety was getting really heavy. I went and I got some help from behavioral health, which is like the army uh, therapist, basically, and was able to talk to them and realize that it's not like, not that I'm not unique, but that it's not a unique problem and it's not a insurmountable problem. It's just something that needs to be addressed and worked through. Uh, and, but I mean, that could be for anything too. So not just like for mental health or anything. It's uh, if you're struggling or you're not sure where you need to be, like other people can give you that outside point of view that can really be helpful. Also, just know you're not stuck. Like I think we've talked about that a lot before too. Like you didn't really love uh, your career path. I think this is in 2020, but I, uh, I told you like you're like, you just need to take some time and think about what you like, where you want to be. Cause like, even if it's like a, a lot of work and it's going to take five years or however long, like you'd rather work towards something than just sit and, um, stay where you are basically. So I think, uh, I think that was something that was helpful to you. And it was helpful to me to like, realize like you can always reinvent yourself. Like I wasn't stuck as a, logistics officer just because that's what i was like i i could break out and i could go to law school and you know maybe i'll get done with law school and i don't want to be a lawyer so i'll go be a doctor so no I no i won't do that please no <laughs> for, uh, for for both of our mental health and our, the sake of our well-being no more school yeah just joking so de- yeah definitely like take some time to think about what you want and like plan it out and see what the process is going to be. Cause you don't want to be jumping around too much with major life decisions, but just like know that anything you want to do is, uh, 
is attainable. Like even if it's a lot of work, it's not. It's always worth it. Like things that are difficult are, or things that are worth it are difficult. Mm, very good. And to kind of go off of what you were saying, you said like if it's going to take you five years or ten years or however long to get to the point that you want to be at. Those years are going to pass anyways. So in five years, you could be a lawyer. Or in five years, you could just be in the army still. So uh, let's do what's going to be best for you and for us. I think that's a direct conversation that we had back in the day. It was like, I think you said something along the lines of like, you'll be like 31 before you graduate. I'm like, well, you're going to be 31 either way. So you can either be a 31 and a lawyer or a 31 and a therapist or... 31 in, in the same place you are now so yes so good um okay have you thought of any of the good advice that you have received it could even be from me because i know that i am full of wisdom and have helped you so much you me on the spot right now so now i'm blanking so i can't okay that's fine um what would you tell your past self if you can go back and tell him something oh goodness you're getting real deep. Probably nothing. Nothing. No, because then if we if we change too much, like I'm I'm glad where I am now. So, um, maybe to seek out a little bit of help with the anxiety earlier on, because I think I could have handled the situations better over the seven years. I didn't have that support and help. But okay, well, what about like two years ago? Well, we've almost been married for three years, so. At the beginning of our marriage, what would you go back and tell yourself, like, as you were going to get married to me? Like, what would you say? Oh, I see how you're leading the question. I mean, it can be for anything, but I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to, like, shed some light on. If you think you didn't want to change anything, maybe you would like to know something before you got married to me. <laughs> uh, no, uh... Yeah, I think I would go back. And it's just stuff that we've talked about because we've worked on it together these past couple of years. Uh, definitely, I think, kind of going back to the earlier in this talk is I uh, got really self-reliant on, you know, internally processing and internally uh, motivating and internally protecting myself. So uh, I think I would definitely have to kind of show myself that like heading into a marriage, I need to be thinking about the other person, which I try not to, I wouldn't say I'm selfish at times, but I think I'm not as adept at being empathetic and, you know, seeing things from your point of view or seeing what's best for, for you, like for your needs instead of like what's comfortable for me whenever I get stressed out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that goes for both of us and not to like make this episode about marriage and everything. We'll we'll just save that for another episode because we have a lot to share, even though we've only been married for almost three years. But I will say, like, it has been um, great to, like, grow with you and to walk through all of this stuff. Um, but also, like you were saying, was I selfish? Was I not selfish? I wouldn't say that you are selfish. I would say that we both come from different perspectives. And so sometimes it's hard for you to see where I'm coming from. And maybe that's what you meant. Like you'd go back and tell yourself before you got married, like, okay, here's a little secret about Alex and the way that she thinks. Like, Yeah, and it's not the best, uh, probably not the best answer to, because it's difficult. Because like, even if I went back and like gave myself a rundown of it, it's part of it's just like having to live it. And uh, 
and understand it because like yeah we did come from very different backgrounds so like i don't think it could be something that could just be summed up in an hour talk like it's got to be it's i mean that's how it was going through it. it was like it was just a lot of like explaining to each other where we're coming from and communication so uh maybe that would be the advice just like be open to communication and dialogue because i think early on i was pretty because that's just how we were raised different too like you get a little more um passionate yeah confrontational no and i uh and i get a little bit hesitant about confrontation so i think uh, that kind of hindered dialogue for a little bit so uh yeah i don't think there was any quick fix to it but i think definitely coming into it more open to dialogue so i'd always tell everybody just like to make sure you know how communication styles affect your relationship because you know, relationships are all communication so if you're not communicating effectively because somebody's hitting a wall with their uh their processes then the the communication is going to be breaking down so true Drop the mic. Nope. Well, you can't because it's connected to something. Okay, final question. I know you've been waiting for this. Um, what are you most looking forward to in 2023? You won't be done with law school yet, but... I won't, no. So I'll start a new internship over the summer. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back, which is so funny because like, I was ready. Leaving the Army, I was so ready to get back to school. Like That was my uh, domain through high school and undergrad. I, I enjoy school. And then now I'm like halfway through and I'm just, I'm so ready to get back to work. Uh, I enjoy the work a lot more. And I really enjoyed last summer. So I'm starting at a new place next summer. Now uh, that'll start in May. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm hoping it's great. Hoping, uh, hoping to enjoy the work that they're going to be doing and uh, just excited to kind of see that. And, you know, 2023 is going to be a big year because I should get some job offers, which should kind of help us know what our plans are going to be heading into 2024 so hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity on what's going to be going on it's tough that we still got another year and a half before everything's final but yeah 2023 is going to be a good year i think so yeah looking forward to jumping into it yeah all right well that was a wrap thank you so much for being with me and sharing and opening up i'm so proud of you and i love you so much i love you too Thanks for having me. That was a good uh, first episode. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sounds Familiar. If you enjoyed this show and found some value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a written review and a glowing rating wherever you're listening. We all know how this internet stuff works, so that would really help other people like you find this show. If you want to stay up to date on all things familiar, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. Talk to you next time. Have a great week.